If you want daily Elon Musk news and updates, please take a second and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're on right now because we bring it to you every single day. Thank you so much. Now let's get into some Elon news here at the Elon Musk podcast. Data from the first SLS flight will prepare NASA for future Artemis missions, including Artemis 2 and Artemis 3, the mission that will see the first Starship rocket land on the moon. Now, NASA continues to evaluate data and learn more about the Space Launch System rocket debut performance during the agent's November 16th Artemis 1 launch. And following an initial data assessment and review that determined the SLS rocket met or exceeded all performance expectations, SLS engineers are now taking a closer look at the moon's rocket's performance to prepare for the first crewed Artemis mission. That's Artemis 2. Now, building off this assessment conducted shortly after the launch, the preliminary post-flight data indicates that all SLS systems performed great and that the designs are ready to support a crewed flight on the Artemis II mission. And the post-flight analysis team will continue reviewing data through the days and the months coming up to the Artemis II mission. NASA stated NASA's Space Launch System rocket has laid the foundation for the Artemis generation and the future of spaceflight in deep space. The correlation between actual flight performance and predicted performance for Artemis 1 was excellent. There's engineering and an art to successfully building and launching a rocket. And the analysis on the SLS rocket's inaugural flights puts NASA and its partners in a good position to power missions for Artemis 2 and beyond. Ahead of the Artemis 1 launch, teams established benchmarks for the rocket's performance through a series of pre-flight simulations and test campaigns. And the rocket launched and ascended to space, and it experienced dynamic phases like extreme forces and temperature that influenced its operations throughout the flight. Artemis 1 flight test was the only way to gather real-world data on how the rocket performed during events like booster separation and Max-Q, the maximum pressure that's put on the rocket during the flight. Engineers in the SLS Engineering and Support Center at NASA's Marshall Space Flight Center in Huntsville, Alabama, collected more than four terabytes of data on onboard imagery from SLS during pre-launch and launch phases. In addition, a total of roughly 31 terabytes of imagery data alone was collected from ground cameras, cameras on the rocket, and aerial cameras that were focused on the Space Launch System rocket. By comparison, the Library of Congress's printed material is roughly 20 terabytes. That's the US rocket has uh, 11 more terabytes than the Library of Congress. That's incredible. Now, NASA says the data we got back from Artemis 1 is critical in building confidence in this rocket to send humanity back to the moon. The SLS team will use what we learned from the flight test to improve future flights of the rocket. And we are already taking what we've learned about operations and assembly and applying it to streamline future missions. Cameras and sensors also allowed teams to monitor how the rocket performed during its in-space maneuvers. Seeing launch from the SLS rocket's view involves strategically positioned cameras, sensors, and other measurement tools all along the rocket, the mobile launcher, and the launch pad. And NASA said the numerous views of the Artemis 1 rocket including the solid rocket booster separation and interim cryogenic propulsion stage, the ICPS separation, provided imagery data that helped us assess how SLS performed 
from liftoff through the ascent and separation events. Now, engineers also monitor the extreme temperatures and the sound of the rocket as it experienced just after liftoff. And SLS post-flight data have shown that the RS-25 engine's thrust and mixture ratio control valves were within 0.5% of predicted values. The mixture ratio is the ratio of fuel to oxidizer that determines the temperature and thrust coming from the engines throughout their eight minutes of flight time. Other key engine internal pressures and temperatures were within 2% of pre-flight predicted values. In flight, the SLS core stage successfully executed all of its functions and inserted the ICPS and Orion spacecraft into an initial Earth orbit of 972.1 miles by 16 miles. The insert was just 2.9 miles shy of the perfect bullseye target of 975 miles by 16 miles and well within accepted parameters for the mission. Now, following a near-perfect translunar injection burn, the ICPS and Orion spacecraft successfully separated, allowing Ryan to complete a 25.5-day mission around the moon and back. Now, through Artemis, NASA will land the first woman and the first person of color on the surface of the moon, which will pave the way for a long-term lunar presence, and it'll serve as a stepping stone for astronauts on the way to Mars. Now, let's take a second and hear from some of the people that support the show. And NASA is building the next Artemis rocket as we speak. Now, NASA and its partners from across the country are continuing to make progress on the crewed Artemis missions with hardware for NASA's space launch system for Artemis 2, Artemis 3, and Artemis 4 in various phases of production, assembly, and testing. Now, SLS proved to be the world's most powerful rocket at the time when its two solid rocket boosters and four RS-25 engines produced more than 8.8 million pounds of thrust at liftoff to send NASA's Orion spacecraft beyond the moon and back on Artemis 1. Now, data from the first flight of SLS is helping the engineers build confidence in the rocket systems to safely fly crew on future lunar missions, including Artemis 3, which is going to be the first SpaceX mission with the Artemis and NASA missions. Now, NASA said the power that NASA's Space Launch System rocket provides will enable astronauts to explore further in our solar system than ever before and discover more about the moon, Mars, and beyond. NASA is on the brink of a new age of deep space discovery, and the SLS team and our partners are more focused than ever to manufacture and produce SLS rockets for Artemis missions that will put boots on the moon for decades to come. Now, like Artemis 1, the SLS rockets that will power the Artemis 2 and Artemis 3 missions to the moon will use the Block 1 configuration with the interim cryogenic propulsion stage, beginning with Artemis 4, the SLS rocket will evolve into a more powerful configuration called the Block 1B, which produces more thrust, and it replaces the ICPS with the more dynamic exploration upper stage, the EUS, for in-space propulsion to send crew and large cargoes to the moon. Now, NASA and Boeing, who is the lead contractor for the SLS core stage, are manufacturing 212-foot-tall stages for Artemis 2, Artemis 3, and Artemis IV at NASA's Mashad Assembly Facility in New Orleans. And the Artemis II core stage is in its final assembly. It's on its way, and once the engine section is joined to the other four elements for the Artemis II core stage at Mashad, teams will uncrate and install each of the four RS-25 engines to the stage, and then ready it to deliver to NASA's Kennedy Space Center 
in Florida. Technicians are simultaneously preparing for core stage assembly and outfitting activities for the Artemis III moon rocket. The engine section for Artemis II was delivered to Kennedy in December of 2022. In tandem, teams at Mashad are continuing all core stage manufacturing and production activities for the major five elements of the core stage for Artemis III and Artemis IV. Now, NASA says Mashad is humming with activities as teams work on multiple SLS core stages for three different Artemis missions, as well as the initial welds for the exploration upper stage for the fourth SLS flight. Now, everyone, everywhere you look, you see rocket hardware that will power missions to send the first woman and the first person of color to the moon, says NASA. In Mississippi, at NASA's Stennis Space Center near Bay St. Louis, Aerojet Rocketdyne, the RS-25 lead contractor, has completed work on the RS-25 engines for the third SLS flight and is working to complete the four RS-25 engines that will power the fourth flight of the rocket. Aerojet Rocketdyne is also preparing for a series of RS-25 engine tests for engines that will be used beginning with Artemis V. And the ICPS, powered by a single RL-10 engine, provides in-space propulsion to give Orion the big push it needs to fly beyond the moon. Currently, the stage for Artemis II is in final assembly in the horizontal integration facility at the contractor's Boeing and ULA facilities in Florida. Meanwhile, ULA is wrapping up manufacturing operations of the ICPS for Artemis III at its facility in Decatur, Alabama, where it will undergo a high-pressure test check this spring. The two five-segment solid rocket boosters provide more than 75% of the thrust at launch for SLS and are produced by lead booster contractor Northrop Grumman. All 10 booster motor segments for both Artemis II and Artemis III are completed and awaiting shipment to Kennedy, where work on the forward and aft assemblies is currently in progress. The booster manufacturing for the Artemis IV mission is underway at the Northrop Grumman facility in Utah, and both the SLS adapters, the cone-shaped launch vehicle stage adapter, and the Orion stage adapter are fully built and produced at Marshall. The adapters serve as vital connection points on the SLS rocket. With the Artemis II LVSA complete, teams are focusing efforts on the LVSA for Artemis III, and the OSAs for Artemis II and III have completed painting and are being readied for final hardware installation. Beginning with the Block 1B configuration, the interim cryogenic propulsion stage, launch vehicle stage adapter, and Orion stage adapter are replaced by the exploration upper stage and interstage, which includes the universal stage adapter. Dynetics and Beyond Gravity, the prime contractors for the adapter, are finalizing a full-scale demonstration test article of the USA at facilities in Decatur, Alabama. Now, they're going to be landing people on the moon for Artemis 3, and SpaceX will be using a Starship rocket to get the people from the Orion capsule to the surface of the moon. Currently, SpaceX is testing the world's most powerful rocket at SpaceX facilities at Boca Chica Starbase, Texas. Now, you can tell when they're going to be doing a test at Starbase because they have a closure for the road, and they usually do them three, four days in a row. Now, they had one Friday, February 3rd. It was canceled. Monday's was canceled. Tuesday, February 7th, closure was concluded. It was only for about two hours this morning, but it was from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. scheduled. And then on Wednesday, they closed the road, but then they canceled that closure. Everything is open. And now Thursday, February 9th, Friday, February 10th, 
it looks like they may be doing some testing down at Starbase, Texas. Now, we're not sure if they're going to be doing any sort of launch vehicle testing or if they're going to be doing the booster testing at this point. So it's kind of up in the air. We don't really know exactly what's going to be going on for these tests, but we do know that there's a testing schedule between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. on Thursday, February 9th. And on Friday, there's one between 8 a.m. and 4 p.m. And the reason why they don't go over 4 p.m. is because SpaceX and Cameron County have an agreement that SpaceX can only test until 4 p.m. so they can open up the beach for the civilians that live in the area. So if I get any more information about Ship 25 or Booster 7 testing, make sure to subscribe to this channel so you know exactly what's happening with SpaceX and Starship along the way. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you in the next one. Take care.